Don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. They say they're ready to support these young guys in 2023. It's time. They even use the year. They cite the numbers. Then they just do the exact same thing. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins that I hope you'll check out. Over the weekend, Ben Charrington signed Austin Hedges to a one-year, $5 million contract. And again, when you hear the number, anytime you hear the number million attached to the Pirates, it's stunning, isn't it? Well, it was when they signed Carlos Santana, one year, $6.7 million. They were looking for somebody who could offer some kind of offense, although he hit 200 last year. He also had a whole bunch of power attached to that. They acquired G-Man Choi. From the Rays, he comes with about a $4 million price tag, and you think, yeah, here it is. This is it. Finally, we've been waiting for it. No, 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 no. Those guys were replacing other people's salaries who've since departed. And almost as if to show off this particular trend, the Pirates signing hedges to a one-year $5 million deal is exactly to the penny what they paid Roberto Perez last year. And Hedges, while he has been one of the best defensive players at any position in the majors, and that's always a welcome trend, not being facetious here, that's a good, good thing to have behind the plate. Everything about his defense, including his pitch framing, including his ability to work with pitchers, will be a positive but when you're coming off a season that was the literal worst in franchise history when it comes to offense, and you go and you get yourself three guys who rate out right in that 200 range, you've done nothing. You've done nothing. You've arguably made the team worse offensively because at least Ben Gamble, who's not going to be brought back, was... I mean, a capable bat, you know, not a great bat, but a capable one. They've added three completely incapable bats, and they're counting on Miguel Andahar to do something that he hasn't done in four years. Specifically to Hedges, since he's obviously going to be getting a lot of playing time, he's just a black hole in your lineup. This past season with the Indians, you're going to think I'm making these numbers up. His slash line was 163, meaning the batting average, a 241 on base percentage with seven homers and 30 RBIs over 338 plate appearances. That cumulatively is a 489 OPS that was the very worst among all position players in Major League Baseball, with at least 300 plate appearances last year. It's like they're they're content writing their own punchlines with this stuff. And it's not like he had a down year. Hedges' career average, over 2,001 plate appearances, is 189. He's not about to find it. You know, 30 years old. He is exactly who he is, and he can't hit at all.
This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Why sign hedges at all? Well, this part I at least understand. They needed a catcher because they have no intention of promoting Andy Rodriguez and or Henry Davis. Why don't they have any intention of doing that? Well, even if... They were ready, and a very sound argument can be made that they aren't and that they could benefit from some more seasoning in AAA. Even if those kids were ready, they'd have absolutely no chance of cracking the Pittsburgh roster because, that's right, fill in the blank, if they're held off for two months, the Pirates can save a few bucks in arbitration three years from now. Yay to saving a few bucks three years from now from a team that's already being projected to have the second lowest payroll in the majors in 2023. Good, good thinking, good aspirations, way to have your priorities in place. This is who they are. They almost can't help themselves. They can say anything. And honestly here, the one part that confounds me the most in this whole broader scenario, is that Charrington even wasted his breath saying it, saying that they wanted to take 2023 more seriously and we feel like it's time. Why say that when you know, you know that within two or three months, everything you said is going to be exposed as, well, (laughs) a lie. That's a lie. If you're saying that you're going to take 2023 seriously and this is the year and everything else, and then you go out and make the exact same types of moves for the exact same types and levels of players, and on top of all that, can't commit to allowing young players to crack your roster even if they excel. And there's no other way to interpret what Derek Shelton said at the winter meetings when he definitively pronounced that Rodriguez and Davis will not be making the Pittsburgh roster out of spring training. Then you're just doing the exact same thing. And everybody, however few people remain, who pays attention can see this. Everyone can see this. They're checking off boxes just like they did last year at the same positions that they did last year. They're going to end up checking off a couple more, and that's going to be it. That's going to be it. Oh, wait. Wait, there is one difference. Oh, yeah, right. The part where your best player wants to leave. When we come back, J1Q. comes from Goose, who says, DK, recently you've shared 
someone's projections of each team's opening day payrolls, which I know can be fraught with issues. You mentioned the Marlins outspending the Pirates, but I was more blown away by the Rays spending $50 million more. Pirates would need to increase spending by 60 to 70% over current projections to match the Rays. You've mentioned many times that Pittsburgh is not St. Petersburg, but how are the Rays pulling this off? Do the Pirates have such a revenue discrepancy and or profit difference, or is this about where you can conclude that nutting is just taking all of that and maybe more to the bottom line? Uh, Goose, I don't ever mean to differentiate, first of all, between the Marlins and the Rays. Uh, They're both in really rotten situations from a revenue standpoint. Uh, The Marlins are a little bit better off because they have the new stadium, but they can't draw flies to their games any more than the Rays can. Uh, The Rays are discussed more often because the Rays are good. Uh, The Rays have mastered the art of not only drafting and developing, but also trading at an ideal time to replenish a system with even more prospects once one of them is sent out for multiples. Uh, that's, of course, got very, very little to do with payroll, but the Rays have, on occasion, and wisely so, invested in specific players. The Charlie Morton signing is the one that jumps out. When they really, really needed somebody, they just went out and paid Charlie whatever he wanted. The figures that I've cited, incidentally, are from Track, probably the Internet's uh, most reliable independent source of tracking contract info and payroll info uh, across all of the major professional sports. They do a really, really thorough job of that. They project that the Pirates payroll, by the way, the opening day payroll for competitive balance tax purposes, which is a little different than just sitting there and adding up the salaries of everyone who takes the field for the first game. The Pirates are projected to be at around $72 million. And I know that's going to sound really high to almost everyone who hears that for the first time, but it's accurate. The Pirates finished the 2022 season using this same methodology at $63 million. And that was $63 million in what was actually paid out. There's a big difference between adding up the 25 guys who take the field for the first game and then what you actually end up paying over the course of a full 162-game season. The Pirates paid $63 million. They're projected to pay $72 million. Now, they aren't there yet. This is a projection. They're looking at what the Pirates have done to date. They're looking at remaining holes, and they're putting it all together and coming up with 72. Never, ever, ever overestimate what the Pirates will spend in any given situation. If you look at their roster right now, uh, by their own assessment, by their own eyeballs, they're going to find a way, I can promise you, to cheap out on whatever's left. But to answer your question, to go directly at it, why are the Pirates spending so much less than the Rays? It's the owner. It's the owner. There's no other explanation. You know, if you go back to when Bob Nutting fired the previous front office, cleaned house, Frank Coonley, Neil Huntington, all of Huntington's people, meaning Kyle Stark, 
Clint Hurdle to everybody was just swept away. No one was left except nutting, really. And when he did that, I applauded it. It was the right move. It was the right move for that owner to make in that context. And I felt like because he made the right move right there, let's let's give a chance to this process. Let's see where it goes. Let's see where it goes. And let's see if maybe, like the last time the Pirates started getting good in 2011, 2012, if nothing will go along with it and up the payroll where it's supposed to be. 2013, 2014, and 2015, the three years that the Pirates made the playoffs, were the three highest payrolls of Nutting's tenure as owner. They also were the three highest profit-making years of his tenure. Think about that for a second. There are a lot of things I haven't liked about his ownership, and I've called them out, and I've done it publicly. And I've gone to the ballpark the very next day, and they've all seen me, including him. And I walk in there with my head held up knowing that I'm expressing an opinion that I believe in because I work to try to find facts to build those opinions as opposed to doing it the other way around. I've held the same, and I mean identically so, the same view of nutting for about a decade straight now. Nothing's changed. Nothing's modified. Nothing was, ooh, look, he came around, or some other nonsense. What changed was the calendar. This is year four. This is year four that we're heading into with this front office that Nutting put together. And we are still not seeing the first trace of taking a season seriously. And that's the part that I find unacceptable. I'm not sure why I seem to be having a difficult time conveying this to some listeners and readers. I'm having a hard time with year four being a punt. I have put this in giant headlines on our website. I have screamed it from the rooftops on this program. That is my issue. That right there. Punting in year four is garbage. I haven't changed an outlook on nutting. All that's happened here is that the calendar flipped and they've stayed the same. And he's the owner of this franchise. He's ultimately responsible for all of this. If he comes into 115 Federal one bright morning and bursts into Ben Charrington's office and says, hey, that's enough. We're going to get this done in 2023, or we're at least going to make a big step forward. Then you're not going out there trolling the bottom of dumpsters for 163 hitting catchers. So yeah, that's my answer. That's my answer. It's on the owner. It's on the owner. And my question is this. What are you going to do about it? Let's have another show tomorrow. Thank you.